you know, we wear this uniform and we are uniform in our beliefs together as a team. If attendance is restricted, can we use some of the lost revenue with CARES Act money? If we get into a situation where we start seeing a, a, a large enough percentage of the state, 15, 25, 30% of the state that has to get shut down, I think it makes sense that the entire state stops. Hey everybody, this is Pat Cohan with the AD Insider Podcast. Today, I'm excited to take you inside a brand new show we've created called The Thursday 30, where we spend 30 minutes diving into hot topics that high school athletic directors are dealing with across the country. Our first guest for the show is Daryl Nance, the District Athletic Director for Greenville County Schools in Greenville, South Carolina, which has 15 high schools and over 77,000 students. The topics we went over with Daryl on the show were addressing athlete activism, positive test protocols, and COVID's impact on budgets. Before we take you into the show, we want to thank our presenting sponsor, Huddle, for making the show possible. Huddle is helping teams find real COVID relief this school year with their Return to Play program. The program gets your school an athletic department package. This means every team gets a Huddle account, as well as game breakdowns to help your coaches prepare smarter with stats. You'll also get the Huddle Focus Smart Camera, the only camera that automatically records games and practices in your gym and uploads them straight to Huddle while doubling as live streaming camera to keep your fans connected to your programs. Installation is easy and there's no hidden fees, so you can start live streaming your games from day one without breaking the bank. On top of that, this program has an insurance policy and the event seasons are canceled. Already, Huddle has given away over $2 million in upgrades to schools across the U.S. If you want to learn more about the Huddle Return to Play program, visit huddle.com slash go slash AD Insider. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this AD Insider podcast. Okay, because I want to be able to get to these topics, the timer has started on our 30 minutes. So, Daryl, first question, leading up to your first game, how have you addressed athlete act as activism with your coaches specifically? You know, as a, as a teacher, you, you encourage your students to take a stand. You want them to, to be mature. You want them to be aware of what's going on around them. And, and so, you know, in the classroom, you may say, be, be committed, make that decision. Then they go to the court and, or the field and you have this activism begin and you don't feel like, no, don't, don't do that here. We don't want to send those types of messages, mixed signals to the kids. Um, basically our decision has been that, you know, the kids are allowed to do, they are allowed to have that. They're allowed to be act, activists, I guess you could say. Uh, it, it doesn't want to, we don't want it to be obviously controversial. You don't want it to be something that is going to uh, impact the, the game necessarily. Um, so, you know, that, that in and of itself, as long as it's not disruptive, we're okay. You know, obviously they may wear a t-shirt, they may wear a mask with a message, Clearly, the message cannot be inflammatory, uh, things like that. So that you want to you want to make sure that's that's the way. Uh, one of our concerns really was <clears throat> maybe a coach who maybe had been maybe has been a uh, a veteran or has a uh, a child overseas in the service or something, and they see a kid, um, you know, a student athlete may make it may go to kneel. There's been no conversation about it. We didn't want that coach to address that at that moment and become an issue, you know, because everybody's visible to everybody there. So what we've, we've actually asked our ADs and our coaches, have those conversations, be prepared for it. Um, you're not inviting anything else. You're just having the conversation that if we're going to do it, this is, we would like to be, we would like to know, and that we'd like to do it this way. I've seen a number of high schools have said, uh, we're going to play the national anthem when the football team goes back off the field 
and does their last minute, we'll play the national anthem there to prevent, uh, you know, a, a visible display. Obviously, you can do whatever you want to do within your district's parameters. Um, but, you know, we, we are accepting of that behavior. A question came through. What's deemed inflammatory? So I would say profanity. Uh, and, and that's a great question right now anyway with inflammatory because I'm not sure you can do any message without <laughs> yeah. upsetting somebody in our society yeah. right now. You know, everybody's either at 100 or zero and nobody's in between. But, you know, clearly anything that is, that is you know, with, with profanity uh, or an image that is, that is, you know, not appropriate for a, a high school event, um, I think is, is really the inflammatory piece. You know, Black Lives and, Matter or, or Blue Lives Matter or something like that. I mean, th those are, those are, that should be acceptable in, in, in our society. But it, it, there's going to be somebody that's going to be upset by that. Um, uh, this is kind of where we are right now. But that's not, I would not consider either of those to be inflammatory. So does your school have any policy on this? We've got like, you know, we're in the South. We, we, we don't we don't do Confederate flags. Uh, you know, that that is considered an inflammatory uh, situation right now. Uh, so, you know, those types of things and no profanities, no, um, you know, a noose. There, you can buy a T-shirt with a noose on it that that no, we're not going to have that. That's inflammatory. Um, you know, just the, the, just. Use some common sense, which is not always so common. It's kind of genius in most cases. But, um, you know, our, our policy is, uh, you know, really just nothing that is that you would take a look at that and go, that is not that is not appropriate. Yeah. But it's such a gray area. I mean, my next question is, where is the line when an administrator needs to step in? Right. right. With so much of this trying to, uh, you know, in coaching, they say, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so for those that feel passionate about <clears throat> any of the current issues right now, as a coach, you want to show, I care about you. I see you. I'm hearing what you're trying to get across, but it's on both sides, right? You have one, one player, maybe their dad's in the, in a, a police officer. And then you have another player who is doing a BLM campaign. How do you address that and avoid any issues to affect the whole culture of the team, right? Have you had any of those issues on your teams currently? We have not experienced any of that to this point this year. We're still very early in the infancy of our playing season uh, right now. But the uh, I would say in our encouragement with our coaches to go ahead and have these conversations, I mean, we've shared a number of resources to our coaches to, to go ahead and have that in the locker room, have that discussion or out on the field as you're socially distanced, um, you know, have those conversations. And, and as a, as a coach, what I would start out with is we're all this same Jersey. You know, we wear this uniform and we are uniform in our beliefs together as a team and our uniform beliefs as a team is we're going to go out and support each other, love our brother, love our teammate. And we're going to fight to win this particular game. We're going to give our all do our best. Now, that depending on the size of your team, if it's you know if a, if a basketball team could be twelve, if it's a football team, it could be a hundred. Uh, there's so many different opinions out there, you know, and, and and backgrounds. Obviously, we're going to be a little bit different away from this field. But I used to tell my team all the time: every team has its enemies, but the enemies can't be inside our own locker room. 
you know, we can't, we can't be our own enemy. So in our locker room, we are going to represent ourselves with this jersey the way we need to do in appropriate ways uh, and love each other as a teammate. Now, that game's over. We kind of go back to our own, our own viewpoints and lives. But if, if they are so, there's so much animosity against each other outside of that because they haven't had conversation, they haven't had great dialogue, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to you know, worm its way back into your locker room. It's a thin line with everything you do, but that that locker room has got to be has got to be a special place where you can share those those points of view and still remain uniform. So you're kind of alluding to the outside the locker room influences on this. So how are you addressing um, the topic with maybe fans or boosters or any other outside support uh, programs for your schools? You know, I. That's that's such a great question because, you know, I, I would be okay if one of my players kneeled or knelt during the anthem if if we had had that conversation. Um, and when I, when I've talked about that situation, I would want that player to be able to explain their point of view why I'm doing it. I, I, I get it. You want to do it? Just be able to 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 tell us why because somebody in the stands is gonna could yell at you, could boo at you. Somebody may come up and say, why did you do that? And, and to say, because I saw it on TV is not a good enough answer. To say, because I, this is my experience or this is my belief or whatever is fine. And, and the coach should know that and be able to share in that with whoever those parents are. I mean, we would ask for grace. It's a difficult thing in a lot of places today. Uh, but we would ask for our, our, our booster club members, our support organizations to understand and and have some compassion towards those young athletes. You know, you, you mentioned the, the pros that have taken, you know, a, a, a boycotted a game. High, high school kids don't really have the option to boycott a game. You know, that game is scheduled, officials show up, and, and high school uh, associations have very strict rules about um, walking off a playing field or things like that. Kids, a kid can boycott a game, a student athlete can boycott a game, but the concept of an entire team walking out is much, much more difficult to explain, obviously, and it comes with penalties. So I think, again, that helps understand we can still have an activist point of view. We can still have our experience out there, but we're going to go play the game and we're going to play with with our teammates. What resources have you been using to kind of prepare you to have these conversations? Yeah, so we, uh, uh, the Harvard bias test, uh, we, we've, we've shared that with, with all of our ADs and coaches uh, just to see what that implicit bias looks like. Uh, there's a number of other resources. We, we, uh, Emmanuel Acho's Uncomfortable Conversations uh, with a Black Man, we've shared those conversations uh, out. Uh, many, many resources. Uh, there are a lot from uh, Edutopia, uh, which is a company that, that, that does a lot of education stuff. They sent out, a, uh, their most recent thing had like seven ways to have a conversation with, about race, four ways to not be a, four ways to be anti-racist, things like that. I mean, there are a number of resources we have shared those with our, our ADs and our principals. And uh, our principals did a book study this summer, all principals, uh, everybody at the director level above, sister principals and all, uh, on why do all the black kids sit in the cafeteria together? Um, which you would think is a current bestseller uh, and you would think, okay, this is a this is a recent book. The book is 23 years old, and we're still having the conversation about why black kids sit together in a cafeteria, and, and why there's this innate or 
maybe unconscious again the un, why we we have why we tend to segregate or why we tend to move into different groups and you know it's clear that you know football teams are going to sit together at lunch and the the bands sit together at lunch and the, these kids are going to sit but sometimes you look out there and you wonder why are the kids sitting where they're sitting and that's what that book's about and it's but it's it's a book that has gotten to the to the to the bestseller list but it's a, it's not a a new a new current book yeah. The, the next topic is positive test protocols. Mm-hmm. We're seeing across the country. I mean, if you Google right now, football game canceled, 30 articles come up on different schools across the country that have canceled uh, their upcoming games this weekend, right? right. Uh, their JV games today and their varsity games tomorrow. So just to kind of set the table, give us your current parameters on, on what you're allowed to do capacity-wise, uh, any specific COVID rules, and then I'll go into kind of what your uh, plan is in case some of your your athletes become uh, have the disease. Right. So our capacity was limited by, to 250 by our governor, uh, or 50 percent of your arena size or stadium size, or whichever was lower. So 250, and then we the high school league uh, sent a waiver to the Department of Commerce that if we could socially distance wear our masks, could we raise above the number of 250? And they allowed us to do that. They granted the waiver. So uh, we've actually been going around measuring our stadiums by those protocols. And what we're actually getting is about 11 to 13% real capacity. So I've got a couple of stadiums that have 5,000 seats and we're only able to sell maybe 700 seats due to that nature. I'd I'd rather have that 25%, but you have to... um, uh, you know, follow the, the protocols. So uh, our attendance is, is going to be way down. Um, and, and, and the gymnasiums, we're talking about 1,800, 2,000 seat gymnasiums being able to sell 250, maybe 300 tickets at most, which is going to be that big budget hit that maybe we'll get to here shortly, right? But our, our protocols for what happens if, what happens if you get a test, uh, a positive test, uh, right now, because we are in live practice, we're not in little pods anymore, groups of nine or groups of 15, uh, we're in live practice. If, uh, if you get a positive test in that group, that whole group may be quarantined for up to 14 days. Now, a positive test, if you get, the t- you go, you get sick, you go get a positive test, you're out for a minimum of 10 days, um, which is kind of weird. But once you have it and you recover, uh, if, you're, if your symptoms are fine, you have no fever, you're allowed to come back. Uh, but if you have been exposed in a direct contact, it may be a 14-day um, situation. And we, we actually have a scrimmage game with one of our fo- uh, football team from out of county that had two players test positive on Friday. And that group is going to hold those kids out for 20 days. So that scrimmage is basically wiped off the books. There's just no way. They don't have enough players, you know. So when it comes to the competitions that you have had, what lessons have you learned to try to um, negate any issues that could arise, you know, at one of your home competitions? A couple of really quick things that have happened uh, because I have 15 schools in my county and our district. When we're playing each other, no issues. We, we know exactly what we're doing. We had a couple, we had a game last night where we had uh, volleyball where two teams came in from out of county. And, and their protocols were slightly different. I mean, they came in wearing their masks. They did socially distance. But as soon as they sat down on the bench for volleyball, all the players took their masks off. And we're still asking our 
bench personnel, the people who are on the bench still wear your mask. And so the AD went over to uh, to address the team and they're like, well, this is what we do. We're okay with this in our district. I said, well, you're our guest. We, we'll, we'll, we would like to honor that, but we really want you to put your mask back on. And there was, there were no issues. It's just what happens when you get two different areas in tennis, you know, the girls come, the girls come off the bus, they go, they go warm up, they start playing. And tennis is probably the best fed group of all. They bring all their food and, you know, they, they snack, it seems like as much as anybody. Well, they, they, they gathered around the food. You got to socially distant. And so we, we had no, you got to separate, still got to separate. Uh, just little things that you may not have thought about initially. Are you having somebody police this constantly? Like who's responsible, the, the head coach or the school AD? Uh, our athletic directors have been handling all that so far. Okay. Yeah. So they are at every competition. Right now they are at every every home competition. Most of, most of the time they're there anyway, but right now very specifically monitoring uh, you know, all the COVID uh, protocols. With all the news that's coming out, I mean, I got four or five articles here. Mill Creek cancels first two football games after positive COVID-19 tests. Orange Beach in Southern Alabama cancels football game, suspends football program. Iowa State on Monday came out with, we are going to allow 25,000 people into our stands for our first football game. Governor comes out with announcement. No, you're not. Uh, Iowa state had to say no fans uh, will be coming to the first game. So they went from 25,000 to zero just to be able to play. And Ames is kind of a, a hot spot right now. Ames, Iowa, where Iowa state is. So with all these news articles about this happening, I mean, tell me your opinion on how this plays out. We're, we're, it, with smaller crowds anyway for our stadiums, and we're trying to guarantee families get tickets first. Um, you know that's that, that's hard enough as it is. I mean, if if we get into a situation where we start seeing a a, a large enough percentage of the state, 15, 25, 30 percent of the state that has to get shut down, we're, I think it makes sense that the entire state stops uh, stops playing football, and that's going to be difficult because like like. In the summer, we had those two weeks, then we stopped and we got all kinds of criticism and, and you know, the mental health issues of kids needing to be out there. That's, that's gonna be a replay of that. Um, and we have a high school that has just had its field redone. It's not gonna be ready for the first game. They had contracted with a college near them to allow them to play their games. They've already worked out a relationship when the college couldn't use their facilities and all that. And just before we got on the air, literally they were told, uh, the president said no can't use our facility now. So now, now we're struggling to, we'll relocate those home games for that school at other sites that don't have a home game on Friday night. Being the, the conversation moving towards what if it, football gets shut down kind of brings up the impact of COVID-19 to budgets, right? So right. give me like a typical year, you know, everything's status quo, how your cash flow and your budgets kind of go. So by now we would have had uh, multiple fundraisers. You would have had opportunities to go out and, and get a, sell all your signage and, and you know, sell all your ads and your, and your programs. If you're still doing that, all the digital stuff you would do. Uh, money would be coming in right now. You would be selling your season passes and things like that. And so you'd, you'd kind of have a little bit of cash on hand. You got to pay your high school league dues. You got to pay some your fall billing and those things, types of things are coming in. You've got first first game, big crowds. 
Well, right now, very little of that has occurred. We've, we've not even played. We've not had the opportunity to have large gatherings, to have booster club gatherings or fundraisers. Uh, a lot of the businesses that you would normally sell ads to may be struggling because of the reduced uh, uh, economic climate. And, and so uh, right now, it's a, it's a really tenuous thing uh, of looking at your budget and, uh, and trying to figure out Okay, if I'm down to 11% capacity already, how am I going to pay that $10,000, $20,000 fall billing due that's coming in October? And I haven't had my big booster club fundraiser. So every AD I imagine in the country that's currently playing uh, are going to be looking at ways to cut maybe number of contests, certainly cut travel. Uh, you may have to extend the uniform rotation another year or two because it's not going to be just this year. The budget's going to be impacted next year you're not going to have you know, the, this, the, the financial impact is going to be more than one year. It's going to be a two year probably uh, cycle that we're going to be impacted with. So uh, right now you should be a little bit cash rich. And for those schools that aren't playing football at all, they're not going to have that opportunity for those schools that are moving it into the spring or much later in the year. You don't know what attendance is going to be like in a new season. So uh, I would say every AD is learning to tighten their belt. Well, and the schools are too. I mean, how much did your school pay for in terms of PPE or, or health and safety equipment? Right. So the week, uh, the, we left school on March 13. That week, we ordered $350,000 worth of, of uh, PPE stuff and cleaning stuff. And to date, our district has spent $2.8 million of unbudgeted money towards COVID relief, COVID stuff. Now, I will tell you that a lot of that can come from the CARES Act money that came from the federal government. And one thing we're actually considering, uh, and this just kind of popped up into our heads yesterday or day before, was if attendance is restricted, can we use some of the cost, some of the lost revenue uh, with CARES Act money? I mean, is there a way to get we, we, we would normally make this amount of money to pay our bills. We cannot make this amount of money because of the restrictions that COVID has put in. Is there any way we can make that work with CARES Act money? I don't know if it is, but we're going to investigate it and, and see what we can do. And do you know kind of the restrictions or the uh, definition of how CARES Act money should, can be used right now? Well, I know a lot of it was the purchase of equipment and there were some lost salary issues, things like that. I mean, a lot of our we paid our coaches' salaries uh, throughout the course of the year last year, even after we shut down. But a lot of the like AD salaries and principal salaries, when, when they were not in the building and we paid them anyway, we were able to use some of that money against or for the, um, the, the acquisition of CARES Act money. Uh, I know with one of our AD Insider Roundtables, the big conversation was spring coaches, are you paying them or not? Mm -hmm. And it was about a third, a third, a third, a third full pay, a third adjusted pay, and third weren't. So, you know, do you see this possibly happening going into fall or is it a conversation amongst your network on are your fall coaches getting paid for those states that aren't playing and for those states that, you know, are getting games canceled? For those that aren't playing, the, 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 the sort of my network of, of ADs and friends around the country, if they're not playing, they're not starting any pay yet. And in some cases, I know out west, some of the states that, are, that have moved everything to second semester, they've actually like furloughed athletic directors. And, and not paying any coaches and furloughing ADs. And that's a really difficult position to be in because AD's going to have to go get a job and you don't know who's, who's going to be available when you come back. Um, you know, once we start, we agree to pay. 
And we believe that our coaches are critical in the, the growth and life of that athlete, even if we're not playing. When we weren't practicing and playing in the spring, we were doing online leadership studies and uh, with our athletes. You know, we contracted with other people to come in and do some things. And our ADs were active in leadership studies with our kids. Coaches were still doing virtual workouts. So we felt like they were earning their money. And if you don't make, if you don't pay them and you've got really good coaches and somebody else is willing to play or moving forward in another area, another state, they're going to come and poach your really good coaches. And I want to keep all of our good ones. And I think we've got great ones. So. Just as a news thing, the NCAA is actually furloughing their whole entire uh, 600 person uh, office. So everybody that's based there in Indy, Indianapolis uh, is getting sent home, not the executives, but more of the seasonal staff. It's over okay. 600 people. Um, so it's, it's a reality that no one ever thought was possible. And we're seeing it at the, at the college level. And hopefully it doesn't trickle down to the high school level. But if we keep having seasons that get cut short and the funding going to other places that provide health and safety of the athletes. Um, it's a real, <laughs> it's a real conversation if for coaches to be asking you as athletic directors, you know, what's going to happen to my salary. So mm -hmm. just kind of a scary thing to not to leave this on a scary note and we'll hang out after, uh, after where it's just to kind of have a, a informal Q and a, but I do want to wrap this up. This has been 30 minutes and we appreciate all of you for joining us. Uh, we will stay after to get uh, any specific questions taken care of. But if you're interested in, in sending this out to other uh, coaches or other people on your staff, this will be posted to the website and on our podcast tomorrow. Also, Daryl, we appreciate the time. Again, we'll stay after just to take care of any last questions. But again, thanks for joining us, Daryl. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening to the AD Insider Podcast. We're here to help provide access to experts and educators in the field of athletic administration. So please let us know what you'd like to hear next. All you have to do is message us on social media or reach out to us on our website, athleticdirectorinsider.com.